Welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Record. Last week, you got to listen to the 2018 CEO panel at the Leadership Conference. This week, we're going to bring you this year's leadership panel. Our leaders panel this year included Rob Burnett from Badcock Home Furniture and More, who was kind enough to serve as our moderator. On our panelists this year were Jerry Baer from Bears Furniture, Bill Daniels from Furniture Fair, and Jesus Capo from El Dorado. An interesting sidelight as you listen to this, um, in our pre-conference conversation, we sat down and had a, a conference call with all of our panelists, and one of the big issues that came up there was uh, employee retention, compensation, and engagement. And while that was going to be the starting point for this year's uh, conversation, you'll notice that it actually took a different turn based a little bit on some of the events at the conference. So uh, please take note of that. You'll notice that technology plays a much more important role in the conversation, while employee engagement and attracting new employees continues to be a big key. And some of our panelists had some very interesting and specific thoughts on that. So please enjoy our CEO panel from this year's 2019 Furniture Today Leadership Conference. Welcome back. Hope you all had a chance to get a little caffeine, a little snack. Thank you, Sunbrella, for the food and drink. Before we start our, uh, our next session, this is our retail leaders panel. Um, one of the four gentlemen up here is a gymnast. I'm not going to tell you which one. So at the end of, uh, at the end of this presentation, he's going to stick the landing. We have with us today Rob Burnett from Badcock Home Furnishings and More. Jesus Capo, who hosted us yesterday at the retail tour from El Dorado, Bill Daniels from Furniture Fair, and Jerry Bear from Bear Furniture, who incidentally is wearing a tie with a bear on it. Got to give him kudos, props for that. Oh, yeah. So the reason that we put this together and the reason that I ask someone like Rob to host this is because nobody speaks the language of retail better than a retailer themselves. They understand what's important to their business. We spent some time talking about that. I'm going to shut up and let them talk retail. Rob, it's all yours. Thank you, Bill. Well, I was going to start out by asking the panel um, what the issues were that you're faced with, but I think based on our last presentation, I'd like maybe kicking off with technology. So um, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what you're struggling with or what you're working on in terms of technology and how it's helping your business or what, might, what challenges you might be facing there. Well, we're, we're uh, iPad point of sale, like probably most of the people in the room. And the CFS system is linked to that. Where, where we're really struggling is the creative person, the person that puts these big rooms together, just still hasn't adapted to, to technology. And that, that's the biggest struggle, trying to, trying to get them to just think of it as a, as a tool and, and not, not everything to them. Jerry, you want to say something? Um, I, probably the thing that we're do, working on the most, which we've been working now for a couple of years, year and a half, whatever it is, uh, Podium has been a huge help to us. Uh, we know the importance of online. Um, technologically in our stores, we're not really heavily advanced. Our computer system's the same computer system from the 80s, but um, 
what we've been doing online with their help and with the help of FurnitureDealer.net uh, and their new revision of their website and everything is where we're working on our most of our technological stuff. So with Podium, were you working mainly in terms of your reviews, or is that where you started? Or That's where we started with them. Um, uh, we're working CRM and uh, working with reviews, et cetera. Are uh, you guys working on your reviews? or? Yeah, uh, we do. We do. I can be all day talking about stuff like that, but we do the reviews. If you specifically on the reviews, we'll have our, I mean, our salespeople are really well trained to ask for the reviews. And we've tried, you know, we tried Podium and other services, and we found out that they're great and they work really well, but they don't surpass the, the salesperson and the person online asking for a review immediately after the sale, at the moment of the sale. And we see those, those are more of a natural uh, increase in reviews based on, on having the salesperson ask for it. And if you find out, if you, don't, if you ask for it and you have a good relationship with your, a good rapport with your customer, they will, they will give it, they will give it, it does work. Yeah. Now, if you want me to continue to start talking about technology, I can be here all day. You Take know. off. Because when you talk, it's sort of technology is a loaded question because, like he was saying, um, like Mark was saying in the, in the presentation, you try to have technology not interfere with your business. You have to run your business and it has to be seamless. So you can't have, just have technology for technology's sake. And the issues today is you try to have, you have all these customers doing things online. You have the stuff, doing, you're doing stuff in your store. And the difficulty is trying to translate what you're doing on, online to be able to do in the store and vice versa. How do you get the, the experience that you get in store with the salesperson to be able to reach that online? And you were gonna mention a statistic that we talked about. Right. What, was, what was that specifically? So uh, we heard that one of the vendors we had out in Pebble Beach was saying that 75% of the time they're going to buy from the company that reaches out and connects with them first online. So if that statistic is correct, that's pretty scary. So they're, only, they're gonna come to a couple of different websites. And so what are you doing to reach out and connect with them Right, so we're, in our case, we're looking at how do I, because when a furniture, uh, an ultimate purchase, a customer that comes and purchases from you, they don't wake up in the morning and decide, I want to buy a bedroom set. They start going and start asking friends. They wake up one day, he goes, I need, I need something. And they'll get an idea, either they're watching a show or they're watching, talking to a friend, and they decide, and they start a search process. It might be three months, it might be six months, it might be a year. The earlier you can catch that capture, that capture that customer when they start either doing searches, asking friends, doing social media. So we're looking at ways that we can capture it right at the beginning, before they even visit your website, before they walk into your store. So when you start that relationship somehow, and you figure out how to start that relationship early on, and you follow them, and you have that early relationship that you're saying, are, they're going to end up buying from you. Are you using anything like Perk? We're talking to Perk. Uh, we saw what they're doing. We're doing certain things on our own that Perk is offering. They're yeah. a great company, very good company. And we're, we're using Perk right now, and you're getting two customers, one that's on the end of the cycle right. and one that's on the beginning of the cycle. Right. And if, if you get your transactional salesperson on the beginning of the cycle, it's, it's botched, you know, beyond repair. Now, Perk, and I'm not putting anything down, is you get Perk when they're at your website. I'm trying to capture them before. Because they, when they're at their website, they're already maybe 50% down that, that, that road where they already decided this is what I needed, this is where I'm looking. I'm trying to find if I can get them the moment the idea perks, percolates in their head and they start asking friends and start looking for reviews. So you, there, there is a pattern that you can look at. So you're using Facebook? You do, you know, Facebook, Instagram, when they start sharing pictures. Somebody just went maybe shared a picture and start, you know, so you can see that pattern. Wait a minute, this person is now interested in, 
bedroom sets because they keep on sending bedroom set pictures to their families and friends. Are you so, doing that manually or you got a program? We got a couple of systems artificial to do it. intelligence of yeah, some kind. Yeah, I'm not going to say it, but yeah. <laughs> After, afterwards. Afterwards, afterwards. <laughs> Bill, how are you reaching out and connecting with your customers online? Well, we have a uh, an internet team um, on on the review. It's 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 read immediately and then divvied out to if it's a if it's a, a a complaint review, it goes to our customer care department. If it's a sale, it, it goes to a, a designated sales team. That's we we use Who's Up. Okay. And uh, we'll look for someone in, within, the, within the confines of where the customer is, and we'll send them a, a text or an email, and they'll respond to that customer's needs. Our, our goal is to, to respond to every review within two hours. And uh, I think we've, we've accomplished that. Now we're going to shorten the time, time span down. But you've got to get the right person talking to them. Right. And, and that requires a team. So your reviews are on the back side, but you're also saying that if I come and shop your website and you're seeing that I'm on there, does that create a digital up for you? Is that If I shop your website and I'm looking at a, at a living room group, is that going to create a digital up for someone in your we're, we're We're doing a little bit of chat. Okay. Uh, but what's really working for us is why text me. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like that, cu that customer really doesn't want to communicate over the phone. The why text me has opened, opened up a lot more communication. Our, inter, our internet sales, once we went to that, have doubled. And can you go describe Why Catch Me for those that may not be familiar with that? I'm sorry? Can you describe Why Catch Me for those that may not be familiar with that? Um, not really, I have a good team. Okay, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but uh, we're actually trying to incorporate it into our CFS. Okay. Our, our CRM, our, our customer follow-up system is all in-house. Uh, it records every single, what well, starts at the point of sale with the, with the virtual cart. They can finalize that into, into there with, with one push of the button. All they, all they need is one contact information. Um, if they send a customer an email, it's all recorded. If the customer emails us back, it's recorded into there. It's all put into the, into the comments. So everything is there for people to go back. That internet customer does not have the salesman loyalty. You know, they'll talk to someone on the internet, they'll talk to somebody in a store, then they'll call another store. And that, that link of communication between our stores has been really, really good to, to make sure that we're all on the same page. Jerry, what do you do online to help drive people into your brick and mortar stores? Or We have a substantial budget for pay-per-click. We, we work with different, different Google avenues as well as we use Bing. Um, a lot of people keep talking about, you know, uh, Bing's got no value, or for some reason, I've heard that from a number of people. Obviously, that tends to be people that like, that like Google, um, but the Bing consumer tends to be a little older, which works well in our demographic, and a little wealthier. Um, so we're marketing across all those avenues. We've tried uh, numerous different ways of, of reaching out to the consumer, uh, have not found the geo-targeting and things like that to be as effective as we had hoped they would be. And we've pretty much changed our entire digital presentation other than pay-per-click to be video. We feel real strongly that when you're in the higher end of the furniture industry, and we're not the highest, but we tend to sell better furniture on the overall, um, that video can tell our story a lot better than static ads. So we do basically no banner advertising unless it rides along with video. Mm -hmm. um, and we think that's been beneficial to us. We started that a year ago and dramatically increasing it this coming year. 
we tend to do our, um, our marketing is all based pretty much on an annual buy at Bears, and I'm the one who gets the wonderful responsibility of placing that buy. But so this year we're going to be increasing that uh, a lot more video. Okay. On so, Jerry, you had something you want to say? A lot of YouTube also. Um, and I've been told, you know, everybody, there's, there's varying opinions on everything. We've got 500 people or something like that in this room, so I know there's going to be an awful lot of opinions. On YouTube, we do a lot of YouTube, mm -hmm. which certainly will help bring people from the early part of the search chain, if they were even thinking of searching for furniture, we try to target it as best we can. But we run 30-second videos. I've been told by a lot of people you should be running 15s. But we think to tell our story, they're all opt-outable. So if somebody doesn't want to watch it, they don't have to. It doesn't block them. Uh, and we run pretty much all 30-second video. So Jerry, you kind of took us down the digital marketing um, path. And the Furniture Today issue, just before the one that I think is on everybody's table, it talked about the advertising um, average spend, and it also talked about the, how you're spreading that advertising out amongst your different avenues and how that's changed over time. So can any of you uh, address how your advertising efforts have moved from your traditional forms of media to maybe more digital media? In our case, we do, I mean, we do no newspaper. We do direct mail. We'll do, um, uh, you know, obviously TV. But we, in the last few years, we're just diverting a lot of that funds to go into uh, online, directly online. And, and you know, like you're saying, paperclip is not, we're not that successful with paperclip. Paperclick, it's not that, you know, it's, it's already turned into a, uh, people don't like clicking on those ads anymore. You know, at the beginning it was, a, it was a thing, and now there's more money being spent and the return on paperclick in general in all the industries is, is down substantially. So that's something that, that um, you have to figure out other ways of, of, of reaching out to that customer. One thing that I was gonna mention, which is a scary thought, and Hopefully this might not be the right venue to say it. Uh, the way trends keep on going is, because we're talking here and we're talking about online and we're talking about brick and mortar as if it were two separate things. And we have to, as retailers, start looking at it as one complete whole thing. You, it's not that you have an online strategy and a brick and mortar strategy. Because one of the things as retailers, we want customers to walk into our stores. And that's where you know, the higher average sale ticket is at the store within the, within the four walls. You have you know, salespeople helping. Uh, the way things are moving, and you know, with the sales on Cyber Monday, you know, what is it, nine billion dollars or something was spent. Uh, again, it's not the higher ticket items that we sell in general here, everybody in this room. But people have to start looking at the whole thing as as it's one business, not even multi, you know, omni-channel. Everybody talked about omni-channel, not, not even that. It's one whole business where your showroom might just be a place for people to see stuff before they go and buy it online. We want them to close the sale at the store, but trends, you know, 5, 10, 20 years from now, your showroom just might be a place for people to come and touch and feel, but that's not the ultimate place where the sale is going to be made. You have to look at it as if the sale might be on the phone, on the car, on the way home, at, you know, at night when you're in the computer or, or wherever, doing social media and you're on Facebook, they might do the sale there. So we as retailers might have to start thinking globally is how do you capture the sale at any point? Right. Uh, and it's, it's a scary thought because we have, you know, many of us or most of us have salesperson that actually close the sale but that's not necessarily what might be happening a few years down the road. Well, it's an infant industry right now, the digital. You know, OTT is, is, uh, is, is growing exponentially and something I'm not exposed to at all, but all, all my nephews are coming into the business. You know, that's, that's how they, they get their, their, their TV shows, their, their movies, and, and even their news. 
So if you don't have at least 20% of your budget in digital right now, I think you're really getting left behind. You know, the boomers accept it, you know, but the, the boomers too still are on Facebook. Right. And, and that's, work, that's, that's working for us still. And we're, we're, we have found some success with geotargeting, you know, certain places. I know Wayfair's in the room. Thank you for coming to Florence, Kentucky. <laughs> that, that's a good successful place for us right there. Um, You're geotargeting some of your um, competitors right now? I'm sorry? You're geotargeting some of your competitors? Well, yes. And we're, we're setting up, you, you have to be prepared to do that. You have to have a landing site um, for that demographic of, of customer. You know, Wayfair, Wayfair is the more, the, you know, we, we get them to the, to the uh, commodity product. You know, the Ashley store is more or lower end. Uh, Haverty's, we, we'll go to the higher end. We'll talk about our, the landing site will have our, our special order capabilities. You know, when, you, when you do digital, you get one shot. You've you got to make it count. You know, you've got to nail that customer with the information or they're gone. You've got to give them something interesting. And that's why we have several landing sites that, that, that the customer is directed to. And then from there, they can go to our website. If you just send them to your website, you're lost. Right. You know, it's a, it's, a wa it's a wasted opportunity. Well, I think Jesus used the special bonus word seamless. It really is a, it has to be a seamless process between your, your contact online and your contact in the stores. Right. Well, he talked about it being two separate entities. And I, it's, it's two separate mindsets a lot of times. Currently. But again, we have so much carryover between our website and our, and our sales floor. And again, I'll, I'll go back to make sure that you have some kind of customer, your CRM, where, where people can see the contact that was previously made with them so that you, you deliver a consistent message. And so I've heard a number of you say you're talking about creating that relationship online and transitioning that relationship into the store. Uh, what about some of the other um, toys, so to speak, online and the, the augmented reality, the virtual reality, different um, things like that to, to dazzle your customers. Is that something that you're using now or looking into? We're looking into it. Um, I know one of our competitors sitting on the stage is working with somebody that we've been talking to. Um, and it's certainly some impressive technology out there. I don't think we have to be the first one um, to jump into a lot of these different things, but we're studying every part of it Lexington has launched, um, and it's gonna be on our website pretty soon. Um, the uh, you know, full line for a chunk of their upholstery in their chairs, where you can actually just take your iPad, look at it in the room, and it sizes to the room and everything else, and we're gonna be, so that'll be the first thing that we do with it, and then we're talking to other people um, as well. Uh, we're every, you know, in, in this industry, we've been, we've been doing this for 74 years. Um, I'm third generation, my daughter and my cousin's child is fourth generation, um, and it changes every day. And I don't think there's a 50-year timeline, because they just celebrated 50, what, two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago, you're how old? Not you, but your company. I know <laughs> you're old. Almost close to the same, 50, we're 57 years. And we're cel we'll celebrate 75 years next October, so, and our intent is to sit there. Thank you. Our intent is to, you know, we constantly have to pay attention to what's going on in the marketplace, constantly have to pay attention to what's going on, but you don't jump. We've always believed very strongly in keeping our focus and doing what it is that 
um, has worked for us, pay attention to the other things, adapt to them when necessary and when appropriate. Uh, we have no problem with making those adaptations, but the idea of brick and mortar going away is certainly not one we believe in. Um, it was just in the news yesterday. We broke ground in our Jacksonville store, 85,000 feet. So we certainly believe in, in investing still in brick and mortar. Right. So, you talked about the changing of that. The more things change, the more things stay the same, too. Um, years ago, you, you, you taught your salespeople to sketch. And, and if people can sketch their own rooms, but they don't. You know, they want and need assistance. When, when it comes to making a room a home, they want that interaction with, with somebody that, that, that has that touch and feel. So uh, this, the augmented reality, yeah, I think it's gonna be a great tool for, for the specialist. Uh, I don't know if the consumer is ever gonna adapt to it. You know, again, they want assistance, they need assistance, they need feedback that this is the right move. Being on the, um, on the HFA, I'm on the technology committee, and we have the privilege to actually play with uh, a lot of technology before most people even get to see it. And we were looking at augmented reality and virtual reality years ago. And it's still something, still in its infancy, very clunky. What we don't see is actually people in their homes doing, because that, that exists now where you can get your, your, your phone and you see a product and you put it in your home or with an iPad. Uh, on the furniture side of it, we don't see that happening. What we have seen is uh, certain stores, if they're smaller footprint, and where you do the augmented reality in the store. And then you can have the, because that's really the star of your showroom is the furniture, which is the only thing they cannot have. They can do all the technology you do in the world, you can do, do in the showroom, a customer eventually will be able to do it at home. So the only thing, the differentiating factor that they wanna have at their home is your actual furniture. Mm -hmm. So they would have to go to the showroom, be able to sit and touch and, and have that feel, and then somehow you can project their home into your showroom. And if their augmented reality would be something that is feasible down the road, where the customer is sitting in, in your sofa, virtually in their home, uh, and then have the feel I'm at home and how does it look and that kind of thing, versus doing that at, at their home, because again, the furniture's not there. Now, we're not doing anything like that. We've been looked at and we've gotten proposals. It's crazy and they're so, they're so fragmented. There's so many apps and so many companies doing out there. It's gonna shake out and eventually it's gonna be a major player, but not yet, not yet but it's, it's, it can happen. So Jerry, you touched a little bit on uh, e-commerce. So uh, I'd like to hear from some of you guys on what you feel like the, the threat is from the Wayfarers or the Amazons of the world and, and how you're addressing that. Um, we're running our business the best way we can, taking care of our customers with our award-winning service and everything that we continue to try to do and that's what we're gonna focus on. Um, they're certainly getting you know, a lot, there's a lot of business, whether it's Wayfair, wherever it is. Um, I know there's a lot of bedding people out here um, today, and most of us in the business sell mattresses, box springs, electric bases, and everything else. And I noticed the bedding companies keep talking about the increase in the average selling price of the beds and how wonderful everybody's doing. But I think what's really happening is that low-end bedding purchaser that we used to get in our stores who might buy a bedroom set is buying that low-end bedding online. I don't think it's dried up, I just don't think it's going through the stores. Um, whether it's bedding in a box where, and there's certainly a lot of bedding that's, that's sold online that's not inexpensive, but I think it's had a major, major factor in regard to that. In regard to furniture, you know, we'll compete with anybody. 
We have a very simple policy at Bears. We will not be undersold. The problem is when we don't know about it. Um, we have, uh, you know, many of us have lines, I assume, out, you know, many different companies have lines where there's a higher minimum online price than I can sell it for in the store. And, um, but they're still selling furniture because of that ease of connection and the quality of the website. I don't know what Wayfair has invested in their website. If anybody, you said they're out here? Steve's here. So, we'll okay. Talk to him later. How much, how much, how much, do the, how much do you invest in the website? I can't afford to invest that kind of money in the website. Right. So, you know, our technology, which we're trying to improve every single day, but so they're, they're getting business, but we're going to do everything we can to earn it through great quality service, great presentation, and the reputation that we've built of the brand of bears. Well, they're reducing the foot traffic. You know, they're, they're getting the consumer on the front end of the, of the experience and taking them right out of the market. And we're not getting a shot at the, at the award-winning service anymore. And uh, as Irwin at, at, at uh, Nebraska said, if you let your competition take your starting model, you know, then they move up. So they're gonna start moving up and it's, it's gonna branch into the other products. Uh, we have to learn to adapt. We have to, we have to get out there and get our message to them as, 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 soon as, as soon as they're in the market. Or as you said, you're, you're, creating, you're, you're creating the interest. Right. You know, you're looking at their profiles. Um, we're gonna have to bite the bullet and, and, and stay there. We do have the advantage of being able to touch and feel it. We do have the advantage of, of, of being hometown uh, the security of that, uh, they're, they're, they're experimenting right now with putting those, those sites out to, to counteract that. But that's more overhead for them, and they haven't been real profitable lately. So adding more overhead, I'm sure, is going to help. At the end of the day, the furniture industry, we're in a relationship industry, and we can sell, be selling shoes, shedding furniture, selling whatever. It's, it's a relationship. So our competition, the, the, Every retailer has their own, their own forte and what they're strong at, and actually they all have to identify what is it that they're, they're better at. Mm -hmm. uh, what these disruptors, Amazon, Wayfair, you know, all these other companies have done, they just identified weaknesses that, that things that we got comfortable, that we didn't, you know, because hey, I'm, I'm a big retailer, I have stuff, people are buying stuff from me, I'll be fine. Then these companies came in and they identified weaknesses and they just have exploited it. So we need to, you know, firm up, you know, and say, what is it that, that they're looking for online? Uh, is it you know, convenience, obviously, you know, price? If you're competing on price, you're gonna lose. You know, the, obviously, you know, the, with the buying power that these big companies have, you're gonna lose if you're just competing on price. So what else can you benefit that, what else can you provide to the customer that they'll say, wait a minute, that's a differentiating factor for this retailer. And each one of us might have something completely different. Uh, for us at Eldorado, we, you know, many of you who saw the showroom yesterday, it's that, that experience, it's that, you know, what we try to do is entertain you. Uh, retailing is turning into uh, retailtainment, or I'm not sure how, what, the, what the, the word is for that. But uh, when you go there, we try to make you feel and have that experience where online it's very, you know, antiseptic, it's very cold. And if I can drive you to the showroom and have that feeling, and then you leave and create a relationship with somebody. We look at, you know, we look at reviews and we look at comments from customers every single day. And 80% of them, one of the first things they say is, thank you for such and such, the relationship you know, that, that I have for this person. If it wasn't for them, I just came in buying one chair, but now I decided to 
you know, sell, you know, do the whole room, the whole house because of, you know, this and thank you for the, so most of, you know, all the, the positive comments have to do with the salesperson and the relationship they create. So I don't see people going, you know, people go to Amazon and say, what a nice product or whatever it is, or they, you know, or I had an issue and they took care of it, but it's not that relationship that, that's something all of us have in common. So, so Mark was talking about buggy whips and uh, elevator operators and things that have gone away. So if you back away from this a little bit and look at uh, what e-commerce is going to, how it's going to impact your business over the long haul, all three of you guys are in privately held businesses. It's, it's not just important what you make this year, it's what, what you can hand down to your next generation. And so what do you think the, on the big picture the, the a furniture store is going to look like and what you need to focus on to make sure that you differentiate yourself from a, an e-commerce pure play? The people. It, 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 as you said, re relationship selling is, is, is paramount for our industry. It, it's fading away on the, on, on the vendor side, you know, as the reps are becoming fewer and fewer. But on the retail side, the transactional customer is, is going to buy on, on, online. The person coming in the door, we, we hear it in the phone calls, we listen to them. They're craving that, that, that input from, from another individual. And that's, we're looking for more and more people, people, people. Do you feel that there'll be more coffee bars, wine bars, children's areas and different things to create a, a good environment in the store or something that's an experience that's versus just shopping? Yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, your, your store can never be big enough because of, you know, you go online, you have a million products. You can never have a store that size. So we all become curators. And you know, if we have good buyers and good merchandisers, and you can pick what is you know, one of the things, one of the successes of Trader Joe's, people like going to Trader Joe's, and they'll have one, one pickle jar. You go to another supermarket, they have 20 pickle jars. But people love going to Trader Joe's because they know that's the best pickle jar. That's the best pickle you can buy, and they just they don't even have to think about it because I trust I trust Trader Joe's, and that's the one I'm going to buy. So if you have that, you can do that, translate that to your business, where they know that you're the best one at selling this, and, and if you can try to be unique and not, uh, they have to go to you, whether it's your website or at your store, and they trust you and you create a relationship or a reputation where they know that your decisions, you created stuff that instead of having them spend weeks searching through millions of products, they're gonna go to you and say, yeah, that's what I like. And if you know your market, because we try to merchandise our stores differently for each market, because more or less we can tell you know, what sells and what doesn't sell. And when they go there, they go, this is the best of the best that you can buy in this category. And that helps. Well, we've spent a lot of time on technology. I'm sure we'll come back to it again. But uh, in the program, it says that we're going to hear from you about the issues that you're facing today. And you're going to give us pearls of wisdom on how you've addressed those issues. That's all for Jerry. And so uh, what are some of the issues that you guys are working on now or some of the challenges that you face? People. People. All right. <laughs> Elaborate. I, I think I was, I was brought on this panel to, to, to bring to light all the things you probably don't want to do. <laughs> and uh, several years ago, I walked around the High Point Market touting, you know, why we had less than 15% total turnover, and that's, that's really great. And, and uh, went back and said, why is our turnover so low? And started looking at our, at, at our, at our, our, our workforce, and, and our leadership was settling. And we had meetings and meetings and meetings, and we raised, we, we, we reaffirmed our core values. 
and we said we're going to have people that, that, that believe and, 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 and live by those values, and we're going to raise the bar. We, we raised our minimum performance standards and, and raised our, our standards, and, and we set KPIs in the office and in the warehouse and the drivers, and, and we started weeding people out. And Wow, our turnover went up to, now we're probably about 30%. So I, I don't know if that's the right move to make, but uh, our business is a lot, lot better. Our, our, our employee satisfaction is a lot higher, but, but, but the turnover is, is, is just a huge, huge problem. Um, I have two full-time recruiters that do nothing but, you know, all day long recruit talent. And if, if, if you don't have a full-time recruiter, you need to get it. You need to get one just to be competitive. Um, you also need to stop taking it personal. I, I, I look at that turnover, it's like, man, we were a great company. Now, what am I doing wrong? Um, the recruiters out there are relentless. I, I take every new salesperson to lunch, and it's usually about their 10th or 12th day through training. So they've been through the process, they know a little bit, and, and, we, and we can have a good dialogue. And, and once a month, somebody's text, his phone is going off and they're still being recruited by these recruiters. 35, 40 days, even, even three months on the sales floor, the recruiters are still hammering away at them. And you've got, you've got to be competitive. You have to have somebody that specializes in that. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you, you got the new guy in town and, and calling up your, your, your store and saying, I was in yesterday and, and wrote up an order and, and uh, I want to change something. I forgot my salesperson's name, but uh, he's your best writer. And the office turns him over to our best writer and of course they're, hey, did you, you really need to think about coming to work for us. <laughs> I mean, that's being done on, on both ends of the spectrum. so. You got to be aware of those things. You got to be cognizant. You know, I, I hear that, you know, it's the millennials. You know, you got to talk to them. Millennial doesn't want anything different than the rest of us. But, but the difference is, it's such a competitive playing field right now. You know, you got to step up your game. You got to be aware of it. And, and you got to make your, your place an enjoyable place to work. And, the, and then the other part where we really struggle profitable. You know, our industry is, is very fragmented. No price sheet is the same. No, no grading system is the same. Uh, trying to teach a salesperson is, is, is a six-month process of just the facts. When four months they look at their paycheck, this isn't what I signed up for. And you're, it's, it's, that's the struggle we're, we're facing. Getting, getting knowledge to our sales force to where, to where they can go out and make a great living. So all three of you are talking about how important it is for creating that relationship in the store. We would create that relationship with our staff and you're trying to take that quality of staff up to meet those objectives, but it's harder and harder to find people. And so you've hired recruiters. What are some of you guys doing to... Uh, well, I'm gonna be calling Bill's recruiter and see if I can <laughs> hire them away, but... It is top um, sales associate? Uh, no, we don't. We don't have a recruiter. We're we're constantly looking for people. Um, our reputation, we think, helps us quite a bit. Um, we've certainly raised, as many probably out there have, we've raised our pay rates dramatically over the last two years uh, for introductory um, office type positions, etc. 
um, we have the long longevity that Bill has, and I'm very happy to have kept the large majority of them, but he's probably right. We should be looking and raising our standards more, but it's, it's probably our number one challenge is hiring people. You know, I agree with that 100%, and we don't have an answer to it. it um, it's the newbies. We're, we're, whether it's, we're open seven days a week, we're open six nights a week, all the different challenges that certain retail has, but I wish I could sit there and tell you that we had some magic ticket to find a way to get people, but normally once people join our team, we're very lucky they don't tend to leave. Um, they can have an opportunity to make a lot of money, they get paid fairly, they get treated fairly. We have a relationship with all of our staff um, that's a little bit unique, our senior employees, sorry, but our senior employees with us for 57 years, and that's not a member of the family, um, and she'll be there as long as she wants to be. And she still works, and she still does a great job, but we've always built our reputation and, and worked on the longevity of our people. I think we have one-third of our staff, one-third of our, um, our payrolled employees, which includes sales, uh, are with us 10 years or longer. And you mentioned senior. Have you also go after a, an older, custom, uh, older sales associate from time to time? Oh, we market? have no problem. Um, our senior, our, the senior salesperson that we had, and I asked him one time how old he was. I guess this was when things were legal back then. This is quite a while ago. <laughs> and you didn't have to worry about every lawsuit. And he wouldn't tell me. And I called the HR department. I said, he's got to have on his application, you know, when he was born. And he had pictures of the driver's license, and he had blacked out the date. I think he was about 88 years old. Yeah. Um, and he was still selling, you know, three-quarters of a million dollars a year. I'm going to a birthday party for an employee retired at 85. Uh, I'm going to his birthday party New Year's Day. He's now 90. And I still wish he was with us. When he retired, he was doing a million dollars a year in sales. So we don't have a problem with age. Hey, Seuss, have you figured out a way to make sales associates on your 3D printer? Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that one. That, that's it. It's possible. We were discussing because we were talking 3D printers, and uh, I tell them I've had a 3D printer for years at home. And whenever I need something, I just go out and I actually print it. You know, uh, my son designs it, or I download it, and I just print you know any uh, certain materials that I need, which is funny. We have we do have um, we have several recruiters. Uh, one of the difficulties is just finding people that uh, match your culture. Uh, at some point, you get desperate and you just hire to hire. And that's the worst thing you can do. Uh, you just because you need to put bodies in a place, and then you have that that the performance goes down, and you go, why is it that you know how these uh, positions are filled, but not with the right people? So our difficulty is finding people who have the right culture. And and instead of just having the recruiters go out, we have um, the bulk of executives at, at the company. They're always out looking for talent. So if they go to a restaurant, they go to a shop, whatever, they might they'll do it you know in a in a, in a, the right way. They just don't try to recruit from from another employer. But um, they always have their eyes open, and, and, and if they see somebody, they'll hand a card, and I say, hey, if you ever need anything, you know, we're always looking for people like you, and, and that's, they all looking for that. Everybody's looking for that. It's not just the job of the recruiter. It's like all executives, um, leaders at the stores, that's their, that's their job. It's, it's part of their job description. You know? So once you've recruited these folks, what are you doing to retain them? What are, you, what are you doing differently to try to make sure they stay there and don't leave you? One of the things when we, uh, which is very important. One of the things that we do when, they, when we do the, uh, the first orientation, we make sure all our employees get laid. That's very important, to have them laid the first day that they get there. Now, I don't see anybody. All the, I'm sorry, I, all the employees get what? They get laid. Laid. 
Uh, okay. We put these Hawaiian lays on it. We put Hawaiian lays on it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I don't get, I don't, I don't. I, I, I was going to, I was going to submit my application a go. second ago, but I think I'll. <laughs> And we do a we do a reception line. This is just their first day when they come in when they you know their first uh, foray, and we do a reception line. I think Pedro a few years ago in one of the conferences she showed a video of it, um, and we do that so, you know whenever we do orientation every Friday uh, or every other Friday, and we do a, a, a line and they just come in and, and we have all the all the employees that are working that you know that morning they come out they do a reception line. Everybody's who's their first day of orientation they get laid. <laughs> And they, they walk and we applaud them and celebrating and, and that's their, you know, their first day you know, as employees and, and it's, you, you see those faces, it's incredible. And, and we try to, from there, improve. You know, and that's their first day. So uh, we try to make them feel like family. And then that's, you know, and 17 stores and how do you do it remotely? We try to ingrain into everybody, executives at the, at the stores to, we're all family, we're all family. And if I hear something, you know, I, I'll, if I treat somebody like a brother or a sister, or, you gotta do the same thing. You know, so. Jerry, what are you doing to hold on to those associates? You talked about how long they stay with you. Um, I think we've built an atmosphere within our company, and, and I think our employees, one, feel appreciated. They feel a part of the team. Um, it's easy to say those things, but I really believe quite strongly. Once somebody's been with us for over 12 months, um, they feel what we, we consider we saw as part of the family. Um, the, that atmosphere has bred success. It's not the bare family, even though there's basically eight of us working full time. Um, we're not the ones out greeting the customers and anything else. It's our team of 800 people that's created bare success over the years. And they feel a part of that success. And with fair compensation, real fair treatment, everything else that's paid off, yep. the recruiting is the biggest challenge. And I'm going to go out, and like I said, and hire Bill's recruiter, and now I can hire Jesus as recruiter too. I'll go after that one. But now, in all, in all seriousness, that's certainly one of the biggest challenges. Retention once they've joined our team is not a big challenge. Well, I think the ones we want to keep. Bill, we have, we we also have, we match you. We have an employee 57 years as well, and we've got uh, over a dozen with with 30 years experience. If if we can get them past that. We call it the year threshold. Yeah, I mean that, that's where that's that's where that's where we're we're struggling. We just enacted a, a, a KPI right now. We have 12 modules of, of training where we're it's required. I think 15 to 30 minutes, basically every day with with their sales manager, and we do see a correlation. Just like just like love of your children. You know, what's the most important thing you can give them? time. And we're setting up KPIs for our management team, our sales managers, to, to set aside time. Just, just talking with them. Yeah. Just, just reviewing their numbers. And we're, we're saying, you, you, think that was, you think that was essential, but you know, a retail store manager is, is running around with his hair on fire all the time. And we, we've, got, we've got them focused now. We're, we're seeing an uplift. Uh, it, it's a long way away. Again, getting them, getting the recruit focused on the job at hand, you know, when they're constantly being bombarded, you know, by these out, outside offers all the time. And some of them are really great offers. Sounds like all three of you are 
personally meeting the staff and uh, making sure they feel in included and have that good feeling. But you've also touched a little bit on some of the specific things that you do. Uh, Bill, you touched on a little bit on training and, and Jerry, you touched a little bit on compensation. Are you seeing that there's different things that you have to do um, besides that creating that feeling of family and feeling that they belong? Have you f felt like you need to do more things in terms of orientation or in terms of compensation and benefits to re retain your employees? In our case, one of the things, and, and when we mentioned the, the millennials, because everybody says, oh, those are different, uh, everybody's motivated by something differently. And one of the things that, actually, that, that whether millennial or, or you know, older gentlemen or, or younger people, is they need to be involved in the decision-making process. It's not like you can go and say, this is the way it's done, and, and they're like, why is it done? That's just the way it's done. They don't, that's not an acceptable answer anymore. They need to be involved, and, and they might recommend and be open to recommendations. And um, we found that you know, we have dozens of millennials working, uh, and, and, and even younger. I don't know what the name after millennial, what, what is it that, what, that it's called, but uh, when you involve them in the decision-making process, and they, they, they'll give your life for you. I mean, I've got a 24-year-old girl, I was just talking, that does uh, some marketing for us. She hasn't slept in three days. Just, uh, she says, because it became her passion because we gave her the opportunity. We explained to her how, to, you know, how this works, what we, want to, what we want to achieve, what we want to do. And you, you, you see that, and you, you, you identify what the person is passionate about, and just, but it needs time. You know, the leadership needs to dedicate their time and be a good mentor. If you just, don't, don't bother me, I'm busy, they'll just leave for, you know, they'll just leave, whether it's not a money issue, it's just they want to be involved. And it works with, uh, we've done it, it works with everybody. I was really worried where you're going with that 24-year-old girl based on your orientation. Ah. Uh, now that we know about your orientation <laughs> process. Um, Jerry touched on compensation. Are the rest of you folks feeling the need to take your compensation up with the current labor market? Well, as an industry, we're not competitive. You know, we, we, you can sell windows and, and, and have an income of $200,000 a year. You know, the, base, the basement uh, waterproofing system in, in, in Ohio is, is, is going crazy. You know, all the rain that we had over the last couple of years, they're making, they're making 200K a year. So I, somehow we have, to, we have to find ways of, of, if we want professional salespeople, we have to pay the, the going rate. You know, but they only say they have to earn it. You know, if you just raise their compensation, then you're not going to increase the productivity. Mm -hmm. we've, we've got to find a way of doing both. Are there any tools that you're using with your sales staff? To, um, iPads or different up systems or any, any tools that you're giving them as part of that training to help them be more successful? We use the iPad again incorporated with the CFS, the CRM, our customer follow-up system. We, we track close rate of, 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 every, of every salesperson but we also track relationship. You know, did they make contact with the customer? Were they able to gather what, what they were looking at, contact information, and, and put it in a form of, of a virtual cart? And uh, I, I think we're at 57% uh, of every customer coming in, we're able to, to get in with the customer. You know, our motto is, get a customer, get with them, stay with them, sell them, and if you can't sell them, put them in CFS. So you're getting them in the system 57% of the time. And if their CFS rate goes up, not coincidentally, so does their close rate. Right. You know, once they find common ground with a customer and they're able to bond, they're able to close the sale. 
So both go up at the same time. So, you, you know, where you start out, you know, a new salesperson is typically in the 20 to 25% close rate. Uh, the, the quicker they get into the CFS, the quicker they move up and up closer to 30, which is about where we average. Mm -hmm. You know, a rock star in our industry, you know, walks six out of 10 people. 60% failure rate. So we're, we're, we're trying to concentrate on those. For a newbie, it's 75%. So if they can make that contact with that individual, they get a second shot at them. They can do their homework because they're not as quick on their feet. You know, they don't know, they don't have the, all the capabilities of, the, of knowing where all the fabrics were and the, and the, and the finish, finish techniques and that. So they do their homework, they get the customer back in again, and then their close rate is, is almost guaranteed. So for those with a lower close rate and a, a lower rate of getting them into the CRM system, is, is that, there a That's our metric for a new salesperson. We, we don't expect a new salesperson to be able to close a sale right away. You know, they have to be taught closing techniques. They have to be taught how to get in with a customer. But at a certain point, I think it's our 60-day period, if, if they're not closing and they're not getting contact information, then we, we generally start talking about parting ways. You know, you, you have... You have to establish that relationship with the customer if you're going to sell them furniture today. Have you found it hard to maintain that minimum standard given the difficulty it is to find replacements? No. You, you, you just can't settle. You just can't. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting feedback to, to our recruiters as the personalities that are working. I think that was mentioned a few minutes ago. We're having really good success with the telephone, the people selling the, you know, working those little, little, Shops, those those make the transaction very transition very quickly. Also, rent to own, they got a little bit of furniture background. It's on a lower ticket, so they really appreciate the bigger ticket. They'll spend time with the customer. We're having a lot of success with with those two recruits. We're targeting those people a little bit more directly. Any secret tips? Any of y'all want to share with how you retain your employees? Or I don't have any secret tips. <laughs> Open more stores. Oh, well, we're, we're going to do that. <laughs> All right. Jerry, what, um, what issues are you, is there any other, other issues that you'd like to talk about today that we haven't covered? Or? Well, the, the, the one thing that had come up in our previous conversations, um, Bears is a different kind of furniture store in a number of, you know, in obviously a number of different ways, but we tend to sell higher end furniture. We're very brand focused. Um, last year was kind of devastating in many ways, although uh, we found ways around dealing with it. But we lost Thomasville, Broyhill, Henriden, Drexel Heritage we had already eliminated. I think we had a little bit of their product, but basically lost all those in a day because um, we had actually stayed with those companies to the end. But we, have, we feel strongly that the brands are a major part of our success. Everybody talks about their companies, the brand, and Bears is the brand. Mm -hmm. There's no question, but we think by partnering with the right people, um, for those of you who've seen any of our television commercials while you're down here, um, if you've watched any TV, I'm sure you've been more at the beach and in these meetings, so you haven't had time to see them, but we're constantly referring to the brands we have, whether it's Tommy Bahama, Lexington, Bernhardt, Natuzzi. Um, uh, we have new product coming from Michael in the near future, so I'll get to add that name back into our assortment of product. But... We're a very brand focused and we try very hard. We just added Vanguard to our assortment. Um, uh, but we, have, we believe that 
the strength of the brands we partner with helps add to the strength of the Bears brand. And I know a lot of different companies today, and we certainly have some private label, but it's a very, very small part of our assortment, and it's only where we can't find it. For example, when we lost Broyhill, um, which we were very successful with, we have gone out and found other product, not from a major name brand. You can't take and create a name brand overnight, although we think through our marketing, we help build our brands that are our partners, and we've helped, we've helped them succeed help them succeed even when they sell some of our competitors. Um, but the bottom line is we think that's a, a major part of our success, is finding those partners that are well known when you deal with brands that have been around. Uh, Broyhill was, you know, I don't know how many years, 100 years or something like that. More people knew about Broyhill, it was amazing. I'd walk through the stores and I'd listen to customers, oh, that's Broyhill, that's really good furniture. Well, those of us in the industry know when you compare it to some of our other brands, it wasn't comparable in quality, but they had built a reputation that helped add to our reputation. And we think that was a very important part of our success and still is today. And we think very strongly we have the right partners. Is it safe to assume that you're, the average age of your customer is a little older than some of the other retailers in the room? Um, I would say there was a study that was done recently that said the average age of our Naples customer was 70. So. Um, I would tell you that in all probability, yes, it is. And not only that, we buy newspaper. Don't tell the newspapers yeah. that, but we actually buy newspaper because the older consumer actually still reads the newspaper. So do you, do you feel that the um, brands are more important to your older customer? Brands are more important in many ways to the older customer, but there was a study done, and I'm not an expert on these things, but there was a study done that said the young people do not respect brands at all except brands they remember their parents buying. And uh, just one quick incident, and, and I'm not good at quick stories, but the, the, a friend of mine sat there and I was talking to his son one day, and, he, and, and him, and he said, yeah, we were talking about brands, and he said, yeah, my son went out and bought a Sony television, and I asked my son, why'd you buy a Sony television? What's the, you know? He goes, because dad, that's what you always had with Sony televisions. He told me later, he said, I didn't have the nerve to tell my son I always bought Samsung. But the bottom, but, but it, was, it was just a reaffirmation of that. So obviously as people move to Florida, because our consumer is a customer in many cases moving down and our market's growing you know, within as well, but we're hoping that those brands that they remember their parents buying still have importance to them. Because certainly if you walk our floors, we have a Lexington Gallery, Tommy Bahama Gallery, Natuzzi Gallery, a Universal Area, a Coastal Living Gallery. Um, you know, I keep going and going. Uh, you used to walk into our store and you would see seven different brand names, Bernhardt Galleries. We're going to have an outdoor gallery with Bernhardt and Tommy Bahama Outdoor. And we did believe very strongly in brands. The brands, the brands today are being defined differently, though. They, they you know, uh, purple, Casper, you know, they, they came out of nowhere. You know, they're, and this is, the vendors out in the room should, you know, should take note that, you know, they're buying up the reviews. You know, the, when we, we respected the knowledge and, and the brand, you know, and the history of that. Um, the shopper today, you know, wants to know what the other shoppers are saying. And that's what's, create, that's what's creating the brands. You know, it's, the, brand, the brands are coming, but it, it's gonna be through those review sites. And, and 
the vendors have got to, got to buy into that philosophy and start competing in that, in that same way. We've got to go digital. You guys have got, you guys in order to, if you want to establish yourself as a brand, you've got to, you've got to start buying up those review sites. Who wants to share something about creating their own brand? Well, that's, um, we, don't, we don't advertise brands, we don't do brands. I mean, we haven't done that in maybe 40 years. I mean, we used to do, we did some Broyo, we had a Broyo gallery, and we learned from that, uh, where we, we learned, wait a minute, people don't come here because it's Broyo, it's become, you know, because it's El Dorado. And that's what we market all the time. It's our name, it's our name, it's our name. We have a product, if you like what we have, you know, and, 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 if, and if we do our homework the right way, uh, and I have the right merchandise, and I have it in stock, and everything that, you know, dot all the I's, cross the T's, it's our brand. The only brands we do, just because they spend a lot of money on advertising, is, is mattresses, which is, I, I hear that all over, you know, everyone says the same thing, that they take advantage of all the advertising dollars being spent on mattresses, and there you, you should have, or at least mention, you know, the brands that you carry, because those, they go, they go search. But um, there's this whole generation, at least our, our client is not as, as old, uh, <laughs> Is that, but that, the generation that shops from us, they, they, they trust us as a product and, and we're the ones behind the brand. I mean, we have the warranty and we're the ones that support it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's and when you advertise, I don't want to be uh, piggybacking on somebody else because one day they're here and one day they're not. You know, the, the manufacturer. And the, you know, they definitely disappear. You're going to test to that. You're going to test to that. Yep. So, I have the, the luxury to say, okay, if I don't buy it from here, I'll buy it from here. It's still going to have the Eldorado's you know, logo on it. So it doesn't matter where I get it from. I just need whatever, if that's my, my customer wants, I, wherever I need to get it, it's where I get it. So yeah. Do you think there's any advantages to not having brands, uh, particularly when it comes to e-commerce? That question make any sense to you? I mean, if, if, you, if you're talking about a commodity, a brand that everybody knows. When, if it's a commodity, shop your if it's price. a commodity, and they start looking, they look for it online. We, we've tested some, you know, some stuff that we sell, obviously, that, you know, a certain percentage that everybody has, has. When you go online, we're not the cheapest, we're not the most expensive, we're in the middle of the road, but if you're looking for that, you're looking for price. Right. If you're searching, you search for price, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win, unless you wanna just give it away to get the customer in the, in the door. Um, so, if they go looking for that, you know, so I don't advertise model numbers, uh, vendors or anything like that, you know, I don't, I don't do any online, any, any paid for any of that. You know, if you're looking for me, I think 90, 95% of the people who go searching for us go searching for us by name. They don't search for us for, you know, looking for sofas and, you know, whether you pay for search words or however that, you know, ad words or whatever. Uh, they go looking for us. So we take advantage of that. So, yeah, yeah, there's an advantage to not having a brand. Yeah. All right, we're, a, lot of time your, a lot of time your culture can create the brand, too. Uh, ten years ago, our, our sales our salespeople who grew up in the furniture business never heard of Smith Brothers of Burn, and 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 now it's it's the go-to line on our floor, and they they express it as a brand, so it becomes a brand. You know, I, I think if you ask the consumer another year or two from now, and you say Broyhill, and they'll go who? You know, they, it gets forgotten pretty quickly. Well, that's why, when, that's why, as I said, it adds to, with our marketing, Bears is the brand. It's the first thing I said. But the quality of the brands, we think, adds to it. Obviously, it's more challenging today. Uh, and we're also very selective on the brands that we partner with. And, and again, we're dealing with an older clientele. I think the, the age, I, I mentioned Naples, but we don't have our 70-year average in every one of our stores by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and Orlando store is probably our youngest market. Um, but 
we, we still find that the brands, and when you partner with the right brands, the quality, the finishes, and everything else that they're doing, and then you put our marketing behind it, which helps build the brand in the marketplace, has worked out very well. I got a question for Jesus there. With you, with you putting more focus on El Dorado becoming a brand, are, are, are you finding you putting a lot more resources into reputation management too, though? No. No? No. No, that I, I, running, I, I, did, running. I, I did reputation management years ago when this whole thing started. Well, uh, internal reputation right, management, you, know, you really have to stay on top of the reviews. You have to make sure your HR department like is on saying, top of. Read every review, read every review. Go, if there's an issue, we attack it. We ask for reviews. Again, salespeople ask for reviews at the time. Uh, we have the customer reviewers review us privately. Mm -hmm. So they get maybe three or four review, uh, uh, requests for different reviews. And if we see a customer, you know, apart from product reviews, you know, company reviews, if we see an issue, we attack it. I mean, it's it's. So you're that's yeah, what yeah, you're, yeah. you're putting resources yeah, towards. You yeah. But it's not once you become a brand, you have to protect right, but it. But it's not a dedicated team. It's a, every every uh, leadership oh, in the sure. company is 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 on top of it. So depending if it's a if it's a product issue, it goes to this department. If it's a store issue, it goes to that you know that leader and that kind of thing. So yeah, we manage it. We're running out of time. They're gonna kick us yeah. out. They're gonna any, kick any us out. Parting comments from the from the group. Pearls of wisdom. I take they asked, they asked Time's me, up. Bill why, Bill, why are you up there with three guys from Florida? I said, to even out the odds. <laughs> can I, can I, can, before we leave, can I get an OHIO? OH? Oh, God. <laughs> you guys, wanna, somebody needs to teach you guys how to spell. I don't understand. <laughs> if you don't, I just, never mind. What I want to do is just thank Bill for the opportunity for. Congratulations for the Ohio State break, fans that beat know? Michigan. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now it just got good. We're about to have a rumble. There you go. Thank you very much for taking the time. Um, Rob, before we let you go, you managed to go 59 minutes and not answer a question. So let me ask you quickly. Uh-oh. You asked all the other gentlemen how they've adapted their, ad their advertising to today's environment. So if you would, as a parting word today, how have you adapted your advertising to today's market? Well, I take the easy way out. I hired a new VP of marketing, and she is responsible for our advertising. So we are, we are a little bit mired um, in the past. We have a lot of stores in rural markets um, where they actually do still read their mail and still read their paper. But uh, we have seen a dramatic shift to digital, and uh, we're partnering with a new agency. So we're, we're looking to make a slow and steady shift more to the digital and away from our print media. Great. Well, thank you all for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this year's leadership panel. Thank you for joining us on, on the record. Tune in to Furniture Today and FurnitureToday.com for complete coverage of the 2019 Leadership Conference. Till next week, I'm Bill McLaughlin, and this has been On the Record.